last It's season two, episode five of the Hall of Fame show. And holy sheep shit. Do Evan, Nolan, and I, <laughs> do we have a lot? Buddy, we stretched 90 minutes of nothing last week. I don't even know how we can compress it to 90 minutes this week. I mean, what? look what we've got. A review of the football, of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which I think our committee did. We were four out of five out of what they came up with. Not that we were trying to compete, but interesting nevertheless. So we're going to look at that. I also looked at some uh, saved tweets from about Clay Matthews, which I'm, I'm going to talk about. Oh, good. Yeah, we've got a few. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, a few passings that I think we're going to look at. Not to sort of like jump into your uh, realm because you know you're you're the death dealer, death bringer. I know. Death caller. It, it's kind of weird. Like it's kind of weird. Apparently, I do that all the time in my household too. Oh, do you? My, my kids are like. And they hear a new singer, and they're like, so, Dad, is he dead? I'm like, why do you ask that? Like, because you always tell us. <laughs> oh, well, by the way, Andrea, and I'm going to do more blatant self-promotion, Andrea, the co-host of uh, How the Hell Did This Get to Go to Number One, we've decided that we're going to do a Deadpool in 2022, and we thought you'd be great for that. Oh, no, I'm not participating in Deadpool. So that's, that's uh, first of all, I saw what happened in the movie Deadpool. Uh, so I, I don't want anything, any Johnny Square situations coming up. That's a very deep cut for anyone who's seen that movie. But I feel like those are bad luck. You just, you just missed so my whole not, Clint Eastwood impression there. Oh, I didn't hear you. No, you, you're garble. Give it again, right. please. Maybe I'm going to put my own Deadpool together and put you on <laughs> it. Excellent. Thank you. And we'll finish off with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, probably one of the most – wow. Uh, I guess we'll get there later, but I'm pretty excited to talk about this. I can't remember mm-hmm. the last time I've been this excited about it, and I actually will have to – I'll pull the Fonzie here and say I was wrong on a couple things, but we'll, we'll get to that later. Mm. I got to open up with a little bit. Hold on. Hold on. You're also very, very right on something. I was. Which I will make sure we have to give you credit for when we get there. Anyway, continue. Yes. I know. I'll actually give myself – I'll start off with a little bit of praise because last week we just said what two – who did we think really needed to do something good in the Super Bowl? And you you boldly said Tom Brady. You know, (laughs) to to help their Hall of Fame chances. But I I mentioned two names. Uh, one had one had a touchdown, one had a sack. So congratulations to, and we can say a lot about Antonio Brown, but I think that's a pretty damn big touchdown he scored in that Super Bowl. Uh, Nadana McKinsey, I always say that name wrong, uh, with the sack in the Super Bowl, both two people who I think just elevated their Hall of Fame chances just a little bit. AB's probably already there, but he's got a bit of a stink to let go. Well, uh, Sue's got a stink to let go, too. Well, that's, um, yeah. Yeah, that's true, too. Uh, but, I mean, Sue's at least been in the Super Bowl twice now. Uh, he, lo- he was on the team that lost to the Patriots in the most exciting 16-3 to game you've ever seen in your life. Um, <laughs> but but, but he, he joined Brady this time. And now, I don't know if you saw that today, Adrian Peterson did. trying to figure out how to get to Tampa to join Brady as well. Which is interesting, um, considering that Tom Brady's apparently a white supremacist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, he's, he's a white supremacist who basically 
Antonio Brown calls the best person he's ever met his entire life. Like he's single-handedly going to be able to rehab Antonio Brown. Uh, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown can stand the straight and narrow next year mm-hmm. and have like a real season. I think that the stink of what happened with the Raiders, Patriots, Steelers thing will be forgotten as like a weird blip on an otherwise stellar career. Winning tends to do that, doesn't it? It does. So, yeah, I want to take a sort of dump on the, the, the media that sort of perpetuated that and the people who ran on ran onto this. Uh, you, you, before we went on air, you were sort of like tell, talking a bit about the, the red MAGA hat. Uh, I, don't, I wonder if you can sort of like repeat a bit about that story because that picture was shown all over Twitter. Twitter, the thing I love and the thing I hate, I love it because it brought a lot of cool people together in our little group and I hate because of reasons like this. So to, if, you, if you can. All right, so I'm going to start off by saying understand that I am saying this as a Patriots fan, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and so I will also say that if the Trump side of things, and we try not to get too political, but everyone should know I'm pretty far left comparatively. Mm-hmm. If you want to say something that the Trump people are all problematic, then both Belichick and Kraft are entirely on Trump's side on a lot of things. So Kraft has moved a little bit further away. And Belichick did reject the Medal of Freedom temporarily. I mean, I don't think he could have taken it that week no. just because of the week it was. Um, but Kraft, to be fair, has drifted a little bit more towards social justice over the last two or three years. Mm-hmm. Of course, he has his own issues. But Brady is in many ways a non-political person. And what I mean by that is I don't think he thinks about very much other than football and his family. And he knew Trump through Kraft and played golf with him and thought, didn't really think anything more about it than that was his golfing buddy. And his golfing buddy was running for president and gave him a hat. And he put the hat in his locker and was asked about it. And then people were like, what do you do with that hat in your locker? And if you remember, his response was like, what's wrong with the hat, essentially? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, he had no idea what was going on, honestly. And I'm not necessarily excusing him for that because he's not very social justice oriented or does he have to anything one way or the other about it but he's just it had never occurred to him there was anything else going on with that Mm -hmm. and we haven't seen anything else he's ever done that has shown that he's on that side of things as a matter of fact his wife has made a lot of political statements going the other direction oh actually i didn't even know that and Brady also refused to go to the White House both times the Patriots won the Super Bowl while Trump was in office. So like one time he came up with like a family event that he couldn't miss and something else. Like I'm not saying Brady is the world's greatest person. I understand how there's some weird stuff going on with Alex Guerrero. Some of the science of some of those supplements that he has may or may not be good I mean, a whole bunch of it may be bupkis, uh, but it's impossible for him to be a white supremacist and the guy who's going to save Antonio Brown's career and the guy who legitimately every person who has ever been on his team has said is like the greatest leader of all time. You just can't be both of those things at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I understand, I understand like not having a political stance is very white privilege in this way. Like he doesn't have to have one because it doesn't affect him, but he's just a political agnostic. 
He has no idea really what's going on, and he doesn't necessarily care. You want to go after Belichick, you want to go after Kraft, for all that stuff, I, I get it. But I just don't think Brady thinks about it, like, at all. I think the so, uh, yeah, and I think the, the also the idiocy that was sort of coming out here with this. Uh, well, Brady owes us an explanation. I think that was an opinion article that was either in New York Times or USA Today. I, I don't remember which. I, you know what? And what was it? A few months ago, I, I went on my opening rant saying, and this was more towards anyone. I can't believe that there is actually a right wing sports media and a left wing sports media, but I guess there is. And it was more. To, this one was more towards right wing sports media, like. These are people. They can have opinions. They can express your, their opinions. You don't like it? Don't listen to it. Doesn't affect me watching any games if there's if somebody says something I don't like. I choose to watch it. That's how it is. If you choose not to watch it, that's fine. But they have their opinions. They're not just there for your entertainment. They're also not there for for your political so that they can validate your own political or social beliefs. That's not what they're there for. They can say as much. Or as little as they want. So no, Tom Brady does not owe you any explanation. He owes you nothing. Nothing. Yeah. The other thing that I thought was interesting was the idea that Brady was getting a pass for his political opinions, whereas Kaepernick was punished for his political opinions. And then the double standard on that, I saw that a couple times. Kaepernick and was in the beginning. About that, and my thought about that again was, what political opinion? Well, other than that, hat, yeah. There legitimately has never been a political statement said by Tom Brady. Well, ever. Let's also. Although, although you, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I was going to say uh, my, my thing is when you're comparing Brady and Kaepernick, I can sort of get a lot of that. But once you add that third factor being Trump, okay, let's just now back up. Tom Brady might have voted for Joe Biden. Maybe unlikely. Who knows? But he might have. We know that Colin Kaepernick didn't vote for Joe Biden. He didn't vote for anybody. He didn't endorse well, did anybody. He, did, did he not vote this time again? I'm going to assume he did. You know what? I'm going to assume he didn't. And I, I shouldn't make that assumption. I know, I know he didn't last time, but I don't know if he got, uh, figured out that he probably should have voted. Well, he, he made zero political mentions on, on anything. Didn't endorse anyone. Uh, didn't tell anyone to vote. His, uh, nine, eight of his last ten tweets last time I checked were about his ice cream. Mm. So yeah, I it's actually yeah, more yeah. likely that Tom Brady voted for Joe Biden than Colin Kaepernick did. Yeah, which is, and again, this is not me taking a t- taking a shot on Kaepernick. I lo- I loved his original message. Not so sure about the messenger anymore because I wish he would have actually said something other than a few tweets here and there. But again. He doesn't owe me this. Yeah. So, and again, and again, there are a lot of other people who are making a lot more political statements out there. Mm-hmm. It just anyway, yeah, it's, it's it's gotten to this point where with Brady, there are so many people who are so annoyed that he's good that they're now trying to come up with any reason why he shouldn't be good. Mm-hmm. Like I, as I've said before, and I'll say again. Deflategate was the biggest made-up thing in the history of ever, other than Star Caps. Star Caps was worse <laughs> because, again, the Williams brothers in, or they're not Williams brothers, the Williams wall in 
the Vikings, asked what supplements they should take. The NFL told them to take these supplements. They took those supplements and tested positive for a banned substance that was in those supplements that wasn't on the label. And the NFL suspended them for taking the supplements. They said they asked the league if they should take. That's the biggest crock of shit ever. The second biggest crock of shit ever is the flake game. And, I'm gonna, and again, I'm a Patriots fan. The filming the Patriots sideline or the, the Bengals sideline, even though it was a nothing burger, they deserve to be punished for. The, the filming on the, the Spygate thing where they were told specifically not to film from somewhere and then six days later film from somewhere, even if the overall competitive advantage is probably overblown, they were told specifically not to do it and did it. Like, they deserve to be punished for that. I get it. The Flategate was entirely made up by a very, very sad man who's still coaching the Baltimore Ravens, who didn't like a play that the, that the Patriots called and said it was illegal, even though he then did the same play the next year. And Brady said, learn the rule book if you don't like it. And he's like, oh, you want to learn the real book. And the whole thing was a setup that backfired. And they said in court that they did not have any evidence anything happened, which is why Brady won in court the first time. Then the appeal he lost, because the appeal was basically, it doesn't matter if we have evidence. Under this rule, we could suspend him anyway. And the court said, yes, that's what was agreed upon, Rule 41. And that's why Brady got suspended. The whole freaking thing was made up. The only time Brady took an L. What? Only time Brady took an L. Yeah. And the whole thing was made up. And that, I think, honestly, had something to do with the beginning of the breaking of Brady and the Patriots a little bit. Because Kraft gave up. He, he, they wanted him, Kraft wanted to sue and he gave up because he didn't want to be Al Davis. Uh, so, yeah, anyway. This is not what we came to talk about. But, yeah, I, 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 I see where you're coming with this. And, by the way, Brady... Very good at football, although not quite as good as his defense. His defense is ridiculous. Absolutely. But it, it's certainly not like when uh, Peyton Manning won the Super Bowl, and it was only because of the defense. But, you know, the ESPN, just before we go into sort of the pro football hall, ESPN sort of like tried to ta- tap into the, I don't know if it was a woke thing or was just something that they thought was a good idea, by then comparing Tom Brady and Serena Williams and their whole accomplishments and, and whatnot, saying who's the goat of goats, and just trying to create an argument that wasn't there because it seems like those two respect each other. You know, the old saying of comparing an apple to an orange, I mean, that's like comparing a bowl of fruit to a bowl of spaghetti. It made no sense. Now, if only someone comes up with some institution that just really celebrates American athletes (laughs) after they turn 50 and then you kind of can compare their impact. I'm not saying that you and I should do that, but uh, anyway, moving right along. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. The pro football hall of fame. That that, that would be a thing, but I figure somebody would have done it already. You'd think that you'd think that you'd think, Uh, Maybe we might have something else to talk about in March. I don't know. Uh, The Pro Football Hall of Fame, we did a great job. We got uh, four out of five. Although I shouldn't say that we got four out of five. We weren't trying to to predict what they were doing. We wanted to see what we came up with. Right. And I think, though, you got five out of five when we had our podcast. Well, where we talked about last week. Yeah, I I think I did. Yeah, Yeah. because I I called Lynch. Yeah, because – 
As a, you went first to Carl Lynch, and I took Maselli just to be different. Yeah, and I, I thought that I thought that they were fifty fifties. One one of them was going to get, and one wasn't. So good on you, oh, well, or good I, on us. Yeah, I get something right, and I don't think to make a beer bet on it, dumbass. But oh, oh I would have I would have taken a beer bet on that one. Oh no, okay. If you, if you, yeah, that one I wouldn't have because it was it was too much just a, a coin flip. So okay, fair enough. So Alan Vanica is in. No, no, uh, we were hoping this. We've been hoping this, you and I, for quite a while. And congratulations to him. Uh, actually, before we go into that, did you see uh, the NFL honors on that? On uh, with the Knox, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I missed I missed uh, the last one with Peyton Manning. My feed went out. But uh, and I, I, I want to bring that up later as we sort of talk about uh, Clay Matthews. Uh, but yeah, Alan Fanica, we're super happy for him. Uh, Calvin Johnson is in. That was one that we were pretty sure, but not positive. And another mm-hmm. one that our group came up with. Peyton Manning, stunning. What a shock. That's the one I didn't I can't see. believe that leaked ahead of time. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Charles Woodson and John Lynch. So our group, pretty much we had Fanica, Johnson, Manning, Woodson, and uh, crap. Oh, uh, Zach Thomas. Zach Thomas. All right, thank you. So that was the only one we got wrong. Uh, But John Lynch, I think this does wonders for both Rondé Barber. I think it's bigger for Barber, really, than it is for Leroy Butler. But it's it's huge for those two. No, agreed. And we knew that Leroy Butler had made an announcement that he wasn't getting in like a week before or whatever. Yeah. but we found out I originally, my original hypothesis was that they had to tell the people 11 through 15 because everyone knew the top 10 and they were voting and everything like that ahead of time. I didn't realize they're going to do the knocks. Remember I joked about that. Mm-hmm. I said that I wonder if David Baker was going to be flying from people's house to house, not thinking I was being honest. And then that's exactly what he did. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, uh, so we thought it would be there, but actually he finished between six and 10. Um, and we'll get to that in a second, but I think every person who remains between six and 10 is going in to get in the hall next year. Yeah. And uh, I think, I think, I think that's four of the five people we could, we'll have a debate as to whether we have a first ballot or one of the other people get in. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think all four of those guys are going to get in next year. Uh, so who's six for 10? Cause I couldn't find that. So six through 10 were, uh, were, uh, uh, Richard Seymour, mm-hmm. Zach Thomas, mm-hmm. Bonnie Baselli, mm-hmm. Leroy Butler, and everyone's favorite, Clay Matthews Jr. Who can't Not get Clay Matthews the third. Clay yeah. Matthews Jr. is really Clay Matthews Sr. because his son would be Jr., but his son's the third. It's very confusing because Clay Matthews the first never played in the NFL, so everybody's confused by the whole thing. But yes. So. Uh, yeah, so Clay Matthews, uh, senior or junior or whatever, and it was the 10th person, which means that, um, four of those guys are still eligible and Clay Matthews moves off to the, to the senior pool. Mm-hmm. So the other ones who, uh, I guess would have been 11 through 15, uh, Jared Allen, Tory Holt, Sam Mills, Reggie Wayne, wait, who am I missing? You said Allen, Holt, Mills, Wayne, 
and Barber. Right oh, now. Barber. Okay. Yes. Thank you. And all five, all except for Mills, I think all of those other guys are eventually going to get in. I think Mills is facing a tough, a tough road ahead. Clay Matthews Jr. First off, uh, congratulations to these five, but also congratulations to everyone but Leroy Butler for keeping their mouth shut, which <laughs> includes like because you saw those knocks, right? So none of them were alone. I mean, I guess no. The the amount of work that has to go into that. So I wonder how that works. So I guess David Baker's got somebody in his in the staff just calling uh, what the wives arranging this shit. I don't know. Yeah. So when Fanica answered the door, he turned around and was shocked by the number of people there. And apparently, family had driven five hours to sneak in the back door mm-hmm. when David Baker knocked on the front door. So the, apparently, people were in on it and knew to a certain extent. I know with Drew Pearson. His meeting that he because he's in that room with um, Staubach and Jerry Jones, right? Right. right. At the time, and um, and Staubach had called the meeting back, or he said, "Hey, we're going to have a little thing back at the at the facility. Do you want to come in and talk to us?" He's like, "Yeah, sure. Why not?" Not knowing that David Baker was going to show up for that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there was some planning ahead of time. I know Manning's you didn't see, but Manning was like in the stadium giving an interview on a field when like all. of his former coaches came out and oh, so it wasn't like, a party, like, there, and okay. coach back in 23 and all sorts of stuff. And then while they were talking to him, like saying all this, I was like, okay guys. And he turned around and then David Baker was there. Um, so there was a lot of people had have known ahead of time. Well, the number of people who had have known him knock it out was actually pretty impressive. Well, that's again, like I'm more impressed with that than, than anything else. Which kind of leads you back to then Clay Matthews, because the day of, uh, and I'm more referring to Jen Matthews, uh, Clay's daughter, who I wasn't, I wasn't sad for Clay. I was sad for her. She put been, a lot into it. Yeah, she like so much work, and even the morning of, like, this this could be the day. And I was thinking about this, and actually, I was I was talking to uh, Vin, our good friend Vinny Laspinuso just the other day. Because uh, I gave him a call on a project that oh, I, I want him to work on for us, and I'll, that I'll tell you about later. Okay. That uh, you know when Le- when Leroy Butler sort of came out and said, "Okay, well, I didn't get it." Like she, at some point, she had to figure this out. Like, hey, hey Dad, did you get a call? Well, I, don't, I don't know. You know, yeah. at some point, like in this close circle. I mean, because you and I sort of suspected that. Again, well, incorrectly so, as it turned out, that you know that they all sort of knew it's knew something, or didn't know something, or they were still sort of like keeping it underfoot. But at this point, they they would have had to. Drew Pearson apparently had that that uh, filmed on the twenty fifth. Oh wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah, there was that long ago. Yeah, so like I read that, unless that was a typo, but I, I don't believe so. So like he knew. A long time ago, and he let that slip, uh, you know, the day of. And I mean, at that point, I mean, it's not like he's taking anyone's spot. So, I mean, he might as well just say that. Right. Uh, the thing with uh, Tom Flores leaked. Bill Nunn's didn't, but I mean, there wasn't uh, anything with that. And, and congratulations to those three individuals, too. Uh, Raider mm-hmm. Nation must be super happy, as they should be. I wonder if Coors Light knew, you, you know, with them being a sponsor of the end. They're, they're a sponsor, aren't they? Through Anheuser Busch, yeah, it's got to be, isn't it? I don't know. Man, it's a virtual force light, though. But isn't I thought they own. I just assume they own every own everything. 
No, no. Coors, it's Miller Coors, which is now owned by InBev, which, or is it the other way? It's InBev owned Anheuser-Busch. But Miller and Coors combined into one company, but Anheuser-Busch is... Are they sponsors of the NFL? I don't know. Yeah, I can buy them. Okay, it doesn't matter. But either way, I mean, if, if they weren't in bed on this, then good on Coors Light for sort of pushing that one through. <laughs> I think that's awesome. I, I think it's like, oh, that was one of, probably one of my favorite commercials. And I just said last week, oh, I don't like commercials. Shit, I guess I got to drink Coors Light and Modelo. Go Amanda. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, to, to answer your question, Coors Light was the official beer from 2003 through 2010 when Bud Light officially replaced it as the official I missed, sponsor. I missed the Bud Bowl, by the way. I just wanted to put that out. Mm. I, I, but the Browns fans... My God, some of the things they put out, because I saved a few of them. Let me bring them yeah. out. The, so, the, one, the one saying that, uh, that Clay Matthews was a better player than Calvin Johnson. Uh, there's, yeah, there, a th- there's a few of that. Let me see where I, where I put that. I've got so many damn windows. So, what, 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 while you're looking at that, one thing I did enjoy was they had a little vignette on, uh, on Twitter that got posted. Uh, the, the show, I guess, is on Saturday next week of everyone finding out about it and everything. But then David Baker was talking to Calvin Johnson and Alan Fanica. And they said to Fanica, like, how did you keep this a secret? And Fanica said, I was having so much trouble trying to keep track of what lie I told to what person <laughs> about getting into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I really like Fanica. He seems like a genuinely good guy. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was just like, it, it was ridiculously hard. So... Well, here are some people who didn't like Alan Fanick. I will, I'll spare them their Twitter handles, but I, I saved a few here that I thought were the dumbest things I've ever seen. All right. Alan Fanica, whoever that is, gets into the Hall of Fame before Clay Matthews Jr. Shake my head. Mm-hmm. Wait, so the six-time first-team All-Pro over the guy who made the Pro Bowl once? Okay. <laughs> uh, well, also in the same division as your Brown. So if you don't know who Alan Fanica is, right. Here's another great one. I don't even know what he's trying to say with this or she, um, it looks like a guy, uh, Clay Matthew snub is race motivated. Eh? Yep. There weren't any white people in this class. Uh, yeah, I, 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 Fanica Lynch and Manning, it's, it's, it's all trick of the lighting in the stadiums. Uh, unless he's trying to say there were too many white people in this group. I don't know. Okay. Uh, this one is a mess. Say his name. Clay Matthews. 19-year stud. Oh, boy. Don't just don't do that. Yeah, that one's wrong on so many levels. Uh, and I guess bordering on homoerotic, Clay Matthews, 19 year of stud. Sounds like something you're 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 advertising for. I don't know. Or or or, or how you or how the uh, the retirement plan for a racehorse. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, that was <laughs> that 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 was probably the most unintentional offensive one I, I read. This one actually made me laugh. Uh, I, thought, I think you'd appreciate this one. Hall and Oates are in the Hall of Fame, but not Clay Matthews. 
Okay. I, again, I, I was <laughs> laughing and I, I don't even know why I'm laughing. It just made me laugh. Well, I'm okay. I'm not quite sure what hollow notes have to do with anything, but sure. Well, it's like, is that, is that it? I mean, cause you know, like, is that an anti Phillies blue eyed soul thing? Like what's going on? I, I don't know where he's going with that. Uh, I, I guess he really hates man eater. Here she comes. I love that. It's the first song. song I remember. I've said that. That's the first song I ever remember hearing on the radio. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because my two best friends at the time were were Kristen and Mindy. Mindy was a white skinned Colombian girl who was adopted by an Asian woman, and Kristen was a Korean girl adopted by a white family. Hmm. And I thought they had switched parents <laughs> at one point. Oh, and your little kid. Yeah, but that, I was like three or four, and that song was on the radio, and they were chasing me around for Maneater. That's the first song I legitimately remember hearing on the radio. Uh, okay, I got two more here. Uh, so he's comparing this to Drew Pearson. This dude had two 1,000 season, but Clay Matthews Jr. gets snubbed as one of the best linebackers of all time. Okay. Yeah, they weren't against each other in the pool, dude, but okay. <laughs> Also, uh, how many thousand yard seasons did Clay Matthews have? Well, that's another point. Check and mate, my friend. Mm-hmm. This one, he really, and the last one where this guy just really clowns himself. John Lynch? John Lynch over Clay Matthews? John Lynch was second or third best safety of the 90s at best, which I think means he really should be in the Hall of Fame, if that's what you think. Second. Okay. <laughs> Let me, let me, sorry, sorry, let's, let's just take this. You ready? Yeah. So, Clay Matthews played mostly in the 80s, right? You would say? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, second or third best safety, right? Let's just go linebackers. Singletary. Who's better? Well, <laughs> Jack yeah. Lambert. Mm-hmm. Lawrence Taylor. Ted Hendricks. Andre Tippett. There's five, without really breaking a sweat. Uh, Carl Banks. Who would you rather have, Banks or? That's an interesting one, actually. Hmm. But like, Ooh, that is who, who are we? Who are we fooling here? Like, I'm sorry. If Browns fans want to hate me. Browns fans can hate me. He's the 34th best outside linebacker. His son was better than him. On this list of people, just the preliminary list of people who didn't get to be finalists, Cornelius Bennett is better. Uh, Joey Porter is better. And I hate Joey Porter as a person. But Joey Porter is a much better player than he was. Like, what are we doing here? He's not a Hall of Famer. He played for a long time. And one my favorite was the guy who put up the stats for yeah. him versus Urlacher. Mm-hmm. Like for some reason, Urlacher is now the like the baseline that everyone measures everybody against. I don't quite get it, but he put his, his stats against Urlacher. He's like, look how many more tackles he has. But like Urlacher is leading like five categories. It's like, look how much many more tackles I have. Yeah, he played seven more seasons than Urlacher did. Of course, he has more tackles. And the thing that people, when they bring up defensive stats, keep forgetting. You can't necessarily compare them when you're looking at offensive stats. When your offenses are trying to avoid the top defensive players, 
Darrell yeah, Revis, who I think particularly through it, yeah, that's particularly through interceptions for for cornerbacks, right? But I mean, yeah, particularly for that. But it's still you know for first because you're you're t- your top guy. You're trying to you're double teaming. You're, you're the, the pass rusher. You're afraid of the most. You're positioning the ball away from. You're, you're attacking the weak parts of your opponents. Mm-hmm. But again, what do we know? What do I know? I don't know. I, I just want to uh, bring up one quick thing. So this, the election of John Lynch, mm-hmm. uh, you know how much I love closing classes on things. Oh, yeah. Please. Uh, that now means everybody who was on the ballot in 2014 is now in the Hall of Fame. So all 15 players and, and Eddie DeBartolo, who was not a player, but that's what they did back then. All of them are in the Hall of Fame, making this the – well, because we don't know anything – about the original classes, because the only choice was elected, but not who else was nominated. Um, but that makes it since 1970, the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14th, 15th class, where everybody is in. And it also brings us to the point where if Don Coryell gets in, which I think is a legitimate possibility for next year, um, as the as a coaching candidate, I would think so. That closes twenty closes twenty fifteen. Uh, Art Modell, who I think is less of a likely candidate, closes twenty thirteen now. And the class of twenty nineteen, just two years ago, would be closed if Baselli, Seymour, and Coriel get in, which I think is a decent chance, to be honest. Think about this: Art Modell gets in next year, and Clay Matthews isn't a senior candidate. <laughs> and told you, it's not that far from the Cleveland to send them off down to, to camp to burn it down. Didn't it's not like they're in a, I, I could I, I don't think I'm wrong in this. Didn't somebody get arrested because they literally pissed on his grave? I have no idea. I, I think I'm right on that. I think some I think somebody did piss on Modell's grave. Took a picture of it, of course, because yeah. That's There's what a you, lot of people who take pictures of their crying these days. Every, that's true. Everybody saw Home Alone and thought, I should be the Wet Bandits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. See, that was, that, was before anyway, Joe, that was before Joe Pesci got scary. That before? <laughs> well, didn't Goodfellas happen after? Oh, that's true. My cousin Vinny also happened after. So. Right. Well, and what was it? What was the other one? Casino that was after. Yeah, that's yeah. also true. But, that's and, back when he was funny. Funny how? Huh? How <laughs> do you think he was funny Home Alone? So, uh, but, but before we get off of this one, so predictions for next year. Can I just talk about who's eligible next year, just quickly before yeah, we move on? Definitely. So, um, so next year, eligible for the first time, um, and I'm going to say these in order, the reverse order of I think their chances of getting in, but these are the biggest names, I guess. Mm-hmm. Bonham is Chad Greenway. I don't think he's getting in, but he played for 10 years for the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving up a little bit, we're going to go uh, probably Mario Williams, number one draft pick, but just was felt like he was disappointing for most of his career. Um. Then we have a bunch of wide receivers who I'm not sure how we put them in. It's Anquan Bolden. I have third, but we have Steve Smith and Andre Johnson. Yeah. 
That's going to be interesting when we add those to Holt and Wayne. By the way, Reggie Wayne did not handle knocking the Hall of Fame very well. Oh, I didn't see. What did um, he do? Did, did he tweet something? He tweeted like, you can't, you can't be king of the JV squad or it was something along those lines. It was just like, mm. it was just sour grapesy. Um, so I don't know what to do with those three. In my opinion, who would you rate first between Anquan Bolden, Andre Johnson, and Steve Smith? Bolden barely. But I'm a little biased because I just like that guy so much. He's just such a great guy. I, I love that guy. Yeah, I love that guy too, but he's third for me, I think, out of those three. Yeah, I'm, I'm letting my whole character. Like, Chris, there's nothing wrong with any of those three guys. Andre Steve Johnson, no, I think, was Steve the most Smith. explosive. Yeah, Steve Smith would have a mouth, but it wasn't like he wasn't a bad guy. He just liked talking trash. He was he was, a, he was entertaining. I, um, I, I think Johnson was at his Johnson when he was when they were all at their best. Johnson was the best. Smith had the had 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 the had the length lengthy career. Bolden was your, the guy you wanted in the locker room. But then I, when I say it like that, it's not like I have any issues with those other two guys. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So that's going to be interesting with those five wide receivers. That's going to be uh, oh. very, very interesting. I think, and I think this, that them coming on is very bad for Henry Ellard. Well, you know who we he's also like bad for is Heinz Ward. That could knock Ward off the semifinalist. Well, except for the fact we have six spots opening up in the semifinalist list. Um, because of we have the five oh, plus, plus uh, Clay's. Uh, yeah. yeah, Clay going away. So it'll be, there are going to be six spots opening up. It'll be interesting to see who those other folks are who end up making it that far. But anyway, so the other people who are here, uh, Robert Mathis, who was a hell of a defensive end for the Colts, but may not have the name recognition. I'm going to be interested to see what happens with Mathis. Um, Vince Wilfork for oh, the Patriots and the Texans. I'm interested to see what happens with him as well. Uh, and then, of course, Tony Romo, and no. uh, who's not going to get in, but might be one of those people who makes things complicated for Eli when he gets there. And finally, Demarcus Ware, who I think has the best chance of absolutely of being a first ballot. Tony so, Romo, the way he's going, he could. Well, I know that's not technically induct, inducted, but couldn't you see him? Sort of, what, what's the what's the name of the award for the media, for for the television personality? Oh, I can't think of what it is. Okay, but you, oh, sorry, that made me think of something else. But we had had finished that. First. No, I was just going to say. I mean, like he's fantastic in this role. Way better than I yeah. ever thought he'd be. Yeah, well, we'll get to see how good uh, Philip Rivers is next year. So. Um, well, Drew Brees, we'll, I'm not, we'll I'm not expecting much. Backing or whatever, but I, I do have to say, I'm my prediction, by the way, for next year of those six spots being filled not only on the semifinalist list but on the finalist list. I think we're gonna have all the same people we had this year. There are the nine remaining, plus where to make ten, and then we're gonna have one more, at least with one of those three guys at wide receiver. I think Patrick Willis at some point has to hit the finalist list here. Um, we may have another one of the defensive facts, so maybe Darren Woodson uh, finds his way on. Um, and I have to say, I hope Willie Anderson, now that we've gotten rid of offensive lineman, finds his way up there. Uh, and, or, and or 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 uh, yeah, I, I think I think Willie Anderson seems to have the most momentum. Wouldn't you say? I love Richmond. 
Richmond's just a great guy in general. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know what one of the one of the two of them. And then I think Steve Tasker is going to make the finalist list next year. Finally, it's his last year as well. And if he makes the finalist list with only Demarcus Ware as a first-time candidate, I think he has a better shot of getting in than Matthews did if he ever gets to the finalist so. because it's a really good year for him with only one finalist, one first ballot potential. Because I think only Ware is going to get a first ballot. People are right. going to talk about the other wide receivers, but there's going to be too many of them. Well, we, we also knew going in that there was going to be – they were was, all these players were fighting for three spots. That's not the yeah, case well, I, this year. Right, yeah, and, and I said that we're gonna we were gonna have Manning, Woodson, an offensive lineman, a wide receiver, and a wild card. I've been right. saying that the whole time. Mm-hmm. And we had Manning, Woodson, the correct offensive lineman. No offense to Baselli, who I think is a Hall of Famer, will be next year. But Alan Fanica has been waiting three years too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and Calvin Johnson, uh, we thought would get in, and he did, and that it would just happen to be the the person who'd been on the ballot the most, John Lynch. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing wrong with that. So next year, I think it's going to be where, and at least three of those four guys, I think Seymour Butler and Baselli have the best shot of those guys. Zach Thomas should as well, but it wouldn't shock me if he gets passed over one more time. Uh, And someone that we have uh, some sort of wild card person come in there, maybe even Tasker. So, it's very possible, definitely. And, yeah, and my predictions, by the way, I think it's, it, may, it may be Coriel, but Buddy Parker wouldn't surprise me as a coach. Contributor, who knows? Um, I mean, it could be anyone. It would be great for Ralph Hay. I think that's very appropriate. But has it been long enough for Bob Kraft to be on the bench yet? I'm not sure. And then for, uh, for the Veterans Committee, I don't know. There's way too many. It'd be nice Ugh. as Radishar. That'd be that's who I'm hoping for. Yeah, it'd be nice if they went offense, defense, offense, defense. You know what I mean? I wonder if they're even thinking like that. Oh, I'm sorry. One more thing. Yeah, I was I was annoyed with one thing with the um, with the, the the I have to say the NFL honors went pretty well. Keith Harvey was actually not bad, um, but when they did the the in memoriam section. They left off Ken Riley. Hmm. I didn't see. I didn't see the in memoriam. Was that late in the show, or was I just doing something else? Yeah, it was, it was late in the show. They had oh, all okay. the pictures up on the 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 dome of whatever stadium that, that he was singing on. But it was the Odom Junior. Was singing "You Got a Friend" by James Taylor, and they had like all the pictures projected on the roof of the of I think it was the stadium, but Raymond James Stadium doesn't have a top. So I'm not exactly sure where no, he was, was in, so he was in Los Angeles. It was SoFi Stadium. Yeah. Yeah, that's SoFi Stadium is exactly what it was. So they, they had it projected on, on the top of the stadium, like the whole side of it. But they didn't do Ken Riley, which I was a little bit annoyed with. But anyway. Um that that still doesn't get my my FU of the week, which we'll get to later. Yeah. Um I, I guess I guess in uh, in sort of uh speaking of in memoriam yeah, well, I guess that, there you go. So, in memoriam and my FU of the week, you're doing both at the yeah, same time. Yeah, go ahead. My, my FU of the week goes to the headline writers at the Washington Post. So this is going to be a new section a section for me because I tend to get mad at somebody every week. Well, uh, so well, when do we call it? Headline writers at Washington Post. We got to call it. We have to come up with something though, like something with oomph, like, uh, or we could just say, or we could just keep it simple. 
Evan tells someone to fuck off. <laughs> How about that? Maybe. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll workshop it. We talked about this right before. But my, my, uh, my worst person of the week, uh, in, in terms of what we're doing, as the headline writers for the Washington Post, who had, when, when Marty Schottenheimer passed away, and Marty Schottenheimer is one of, uh, in the history of the NFL, there are 11 coaches who have at least 200 wins. Right, one is Bill Belichick, one is Andy Reid, eight of them in the Hall of Fame, and the last one's Marty Schottenheimer. So it's not like this guy didn't win a bunch. He had a sixty-one point three percent winning percentage. And I actually didn't save the exact quote for the Washington Post, but it was Marty Schottenheimer, coach famous for his late game melt, his team's late game meltdowns, dies at seventy-seven. Just what, like, why would they save something that bad for someone who's real? Who's not? Who, was there ever any controversial thing about him? Not really. No, other than his ridiculously being fired by Daniel Snyder in two thousand one when he did a great job with that Redskins team. Mm-hmm. I, I I can't think of any possible reason. To go with that, I mean, it's not like we're talking about, I don't know, uh, Jesse Smollett, famous for Empire, died. Maybe Jesse's a little bit more famous for something else. Right. You know, just... (sighs) Yeah, so so here, here, I have have the exact quote. It's it's Mm -hmm. Marty Schottenheimer, NFL coach whose team's wilted in the postseason, died in 77. Uh, they couldn't have just said died of Alzheimer's, which is what he died of, or just or just yeah. two hundred plus win coach, winner of how many games it was two hundred and I forget how many, but a lot. There's yeah. just so many but, better ways to to do a, a tribute for this, and didn't somebody on Twitter sort of like bring out some other? I think maybe that's where yeah. There's there, there, there's one for that was particularly galling because of where it came from. Mm-hmm. The Boston Globe had one on Gene Mock that was essentially the same. And, of course, Gene Mock's Angels blew the 1986 ALCS in, Fen- in, uh, in Fenway Park where Dave Henderson hit the home run. Now, actually, that's Angel Stadium where Dave Parker hit the home run. And then the guy who gave up the home run ended up committing suicide. Later, he never got over it. And, of course... Buckner went to the World Series and got blamed for all that, too. Mm-hmm. But they had, like, Gene Mock, whose teams never could. It was like, I couldn't remember the exact quote, but it was not, it was no better. So that was the, that was the, uh, the Boston Globe back whenever he passed away. So. A lot of touching yeah. tributes for uh, Marty from, you know, some of the people who knew him. And it's a shame. It's again, uh, Alzheimer's is uh, sort of near and dear to my heart uh, with what my mom's going through. And so you knew it was going to be bad because he went into hospice, I believe, this weekend, I think. Recently, yeah, it anyway. Was, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. So RAP to one of the great coaches uh, in our, in our that, lifetime. And, 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 and I'd like to change the headline to actually what Ross Tucker wrote. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, uh, he said, uh, Marty Schottenheimer, who turned four separate franchises into winners, passes away at age 77. Love it. 
that that's a much better way to do it. So good, good guy of the week, Ross Tucker. There we go. Oh, I like that. So you've, anyway, you've got two segments. You've got a fuck you and a good guy. Yeah. So if there's a bad guy who someone someone does the back the the other side on, then uh, we should do that way. Good guy, bad guy. I make that makes sense. We'll figure it out. We're still workshopping this on the air like we always do. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, someone else who passed away this week, uh, one person who had a very difficult life, uh, was Leon Spinks. Mm. Passed yeah. away at the age of 67. Um, do you have any Leon Spinks stuff? I'll always remember his lack of teeth. Yeah, that was, he was more famous for his, for like his lack of teeth than any, NHL guy or even like Michael Strahan's gap tooth thing there. So, yeah. Well, Bobby Clark might have a word with you on that one. No, that is true. But that see, is true. Yeah, but most Le- people probably worldwide know who Leon Spinks is and Bobby Clark. The, and, 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 yeah, depending on the – I don't know. It depends. Leon Spinks is a one of five men who defeated Muhammad Ali – uh, when Ali probably shouldn't have still kept boxing, but he did beat Ali for the heavyweight championship of the world. But then everything just went to shit for, for Leon. Uh, he lost his rematch to Ali, and he never really had a big win after. You know, kept boxing until, I believe, the mid-90s. Uh, dropped down to cruiserweight, which is interesting, because usually that never happens. You don't drop in weight, but he did. Uh, he was also an Olympian, too. He was one of five Americans who won it in, in 76 Montreal. Uh, one of the other... Yeah, he won the gold in the light heavyweight. Yeah. Gold yeah. in the light heavyweight division. Yeah, another another one of those winners, too, was I, was uh, Sugar A. So, Leon had... That seemed like a pretty good Olympic team. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. I, I'm trying to, I got to look up who the other ones, but it was like five... Yeah, they. I know that there was five Olympic gold medalists on the, the 76 boxing team. Why I know this is a Canadian, I have no idea, but I do. Spink, I'm impressed. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Spinks... But he... Because he, he had beat Ali, he would always still get high-profile matches, but I think at one time, I was trying to corroborate this, I, I know at the end of his life, it got better for him, but I think at one point he was homeless. Mm. Which is, and I, I could be wrong on that, but I, I don't believe that I am. So he just had like a rough go. He was actually one of the first guys too. Uh, he went to Japan to uh, pro-wrestle in Japanese death matches. Which was kind of weird too, because if I remember correctly, and again, I, I might be off on this, he would be he would compete in the ring while he was still wearing his boxing gloves, and the Japanese death matches was a really weird scene. So yeah, what, what does that mean? I I, I was quiet because I was trying to figure what that meant. Oh well, it's gimmick matches that are essentially designed to be dangerous. So they would have like they would have barbed wire death matches, meaning they put barbed wire on the ropes, actual barbed wire, not fake barbed wire, actual barbed wire. Uh, there was a few matches okay. where they would light uh, the ropes on fire. Oh boy! Okay. Uh, shards of glass, just basically hurting themselves to the point where you're not dead. That's the best way I can put it. It's. That was also like back before, hey, you know what? Maybe hitting yourself on the head with a chair is and it might not it might not be the best thing for you in terms of long term mental care. 
<laughs> you know, because yeah, they I were doing that shit. Side, but no, that's probably true. Yeah, yeah. cause like when when did uh, really concussion knowledge it's it's so weird that it took until the two thousands to say, hey, maybe uh football might be bad for your brain. Or taking a steel chair to the head when you're a pro wrestler. Huh. Who knew? Yeah. But no one was that's thinking about point. that. But anyway. So yeah, Leon Spinks, yeah. a legend. That member of the Nirvana Boxing Hall of Fame passed at uh, 67 from uh, prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, based on how things were for him, he probably lived a lot longer. I mean, 67 is still not that old. But, but the, the, the life he lived. That's yeah, not, 20 years ago. Man, I, I don't think a lot of people have pegged him at making 67. And, and his son became a champion, I believe. He did. Yeah, one son was unfortunately shot to death, and one son became a champion, Corey Spink. Mm-hmm. So, well, I believe was with him at the end. So, RAP yeah, to uh, a former heavyweight champion. Uh, there's another big one. I don't know. Usually, handle sort of the order on this, so I don't know where you're looking to go on this. Well, I, I, there's another the, the singer I'm going to use as our transition. Okay, uh, out of here. But um, we had a couple other people who passed away. Going back to football, uh, Josh Evans, who's the starting defensive tackle for the Titans in their one and only Super Bowl, uh, passed away at the age of 48 from kidney cancer uh, earlier this week. Um, Undrafted, played nine years in the league, and got to a Super Bowl. So not bad for an undrafted guy. Uh, And got to start a Super Bowl. Um, We also lost... um, uh, Hold on. We lost Ralph Backstrom... Uh, yeah. Six-time champion with the uh, Montreal Canadiens. Really good defensive forward. Yep, and played with the New England Whalers, among others. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where he ended his career. But he played 56 to 77, 21 years of professional hockey. Um, but he passed away at the age of 83. Do you have any... Ralph Bastrom. No, I just, no, I just wanted to really mention that, uh, you know, this is an excellent two-way player, filled a role on some really good Canadians teams. He didn't have to score. He could, but that wasn't what he was there to do. Uh, ranked on uh, the Notton Hall of Fame list for hockey, I think 48? He's in the 40s. He's, he's up there. So like a fringe guy if he ever got in the hockey hall. He wouldn't be totally out of place. No, there's, there are worse people than that who have gotten the hall recently. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, um, uh, he was Guy Carbono before Guy Carbono. Because if, if, if the Frank J. Selkin... But he played for the Canadians while not being French-Canadian, so that well, was his problem. Well, the other thing is, he also played when there was no Frank J. Selkie Award. Oh, well, that makes a difference. That probably makes a difference, too. So, like, that did, that did him no favors. Hmm. Agreed. Okay. Um, all right. So uh, Billy Canigliaro passed away today. Um, Tony Canigliaro's younger brother, the Red Sox fame, probably the greatest baseball player's career ended by a bean, be, uh, bean ball. But Billy was his brother. It's part of one of the uh, one of my favorite trades of all time because there's a 10-player trade, which you don't see very much anymore. It was Billy Canigliaro, George Scott, Jim Lonborg, Ken Brett, Joe LaHood and Don Pavlov's pitch to the Red, from the Red Sox to the Brewers for Tommy Harper, Marty Patton, Lou Krause, and minor league outfielder Pat Scrabble. 
you remember that trade, of course. Oh, absolutely. I was like because of all the names of people from the early 70s. I'm like, oh my God, George Scott was trainer for Tony, uh, Tommy Harper? Um, but yeah. I, I so love he, George he, Scott he passed, away, um, he passed away at the age of 73 today. Um, we lost actually a bunch of um, reporters this week, which was kind of weird. Principal mm. among them probably is Pedro Gomez. Yeah. yeah. Of... Uh, one of the Hall of Fame, Baseball Hall of Fame voters, passed at only the age of 58. But we also lost, uh, 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 what, why can't I think of the names? The uh, guy from the, the Chiefs passed away today, or yesterday. And uh, the, uh, I'm, I'm doing a terrible job at this. But the, there, we just lost a whole bunch of reporters really young this week, which was kind of strange. But, I mean, Pedro, Pedro Gomez's piece, if you saw it, I know four or five years ago now on uh, going back to Cuba and spreading his father's ashes and all sorts of stuff was one of the finest things that ESPN has ever done. It was just, you haven't seen it go back and watch it. Uh, but just, just one of the really great guys in, in baseball uh, and one of the voters for the hall of fame uh, who did not fill out a blank ballot so <laughs> for that uh, passed away at the age of 58, which was way too young. Um, we also lost, uh, well, we lost Larry Flint today. I don't know if you saw that. I did. You know what? I saw him in New Orleans. You did? I, well, I mean, yeah, it was, this is like years ago. Uh, it was with my, uh, my first wife and we were just at, at some bar in New Orleans and then he was just rolled in with his handlers and looked around and saw, saw me and then said, oh, I guess this place isn't happening. And then he, Sandler rolled him back out. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. That's why I said I saw yeah. him, not met him. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, he, I mean, he was once listed number one by Arena Magazine as the most powerful person in porn. Uh, so I don't even know what that would be now. I, I don't even want to speculate. Mm. Um, so, yeah, he passed away at the age of 78 earlier today. On the opposite end of that spectrum, uh, also well-known Christopher Plummer passed away this week. I was wondering uh, where but, you were going to go with uh, the opposite end of, the, of Larry Flint is Christopher Plummer. Pretty much. <laughs> the man who has, like, the best thing ever to put on an Oscar, on an Oscar reel, just him ripping down the Nazi flag and ripping it in half in Sound of Music. Never seen it. Should that. just be... You've never seen Sound of Music? No, I don't like musicals. All right, to be honest, Sound of Music is a little bit boring, but there's a part at the end where they're, I hope I'm not ruining it for anyone in a movie that's been around, you know, since... Yeah, I, I, I think we're, I think, you know, what? If, if it's a spoil, yeah, spoil it for me. There, there you go. Then just fast forward a minute right. if you don't want to know how a 55-year-old movie ended. Uh, six, yeah, so anyway, but... Uh, there's a scene at the end where, or there's a scene in the movie where there's a Nazi flag hanging outside and he rips it down with his hands and rips it in half. And that's just pretty much like the best, you know, scene you may be able to have ever. And plus, he was awesome in Knives Out. Have you seen Knives Out? Yes, I have. Yeah, I love Knives Out. And he was absolutely wonderful in that movie. Um, before we get to music here, we had two more. We had Charlie Kruger. He was called Triple Hall of Famer, defensive tackle with the 49ers, two-time pro bowler, but was more famous for his work at Texas A&M. He was a number eight pick in the 1958 draft. 
passed away at the age of 84. And back into wrestling, that's just your side of things. Butch Reed passed away. The natural. Yeah. The natural. Well, he was only the natural yeah. for a year and a half. Uh, he was a pretty big star in a promotion called Mid-South, which yeah. it's sort of an interesting promotion. Because well, like, like it was in like Oklahoma, like Oklahoma, Missouri, Louisiana, and ran by a guy named Bill Watts, who is an, another real interesting character, who is either – I think he's – if there's anyone who could be sort of a racist yet progressive thinker, it's this guy. And this may not make any sense, but Bill Watts, like a former – I think he was – I don't know if he used to play football. But he was the one guy who sort of in the 80s said, look, all right, I'm looking around at football. I'm looking at baseball. I'm looking at all these sports. Why is there not a black heavyweight champion? It makes no sense. And so he, he was the guy who pushed the junkyard dog. And then when the junkyard dog went to the went to Vince McMahon and the WWF, he did the same thing for Butch Reed. Just like, look at this guy. How how are you not going to mm-hmm. believe that he's not going to be kicking everyone's ass? Now, also to uh, Bill Watts's number number one guy was someone who passed away not uh, a few years ago, Ernie Ladd, uh, for, a former San Diego Charger, and then he got made more money in pro wrestling. And uh, so another, so another, uh, another black man who was his right hand for years. Now, fast forward a few years, Bill Watts goes to work for World Championship Wrestling, owned by Ted Turner. Mm-hmm. And Watts does this horrific interview where he's, again, he's, he says to this, this guy, uh, this reporter, actually a wrestling reporter, that uh, if I'm a restaurant owner and I don't want to serve black people, I should have that right. Oh, good. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then said the same thing. If I don't want to serve and I won't use the word for gay people, I should have that right. Mm-hmm. Now, a report, a reporter in Pittsburgh, a guy named Mark Madden, who's kind of a, dick but he's not a dick in that way brought that to the attention of Hank Aaron who was an executive with Turner so we can imagine what happened to Bill Watts ironically enough Bill Watts actually wrote the foreword for a book that I find that looks like I wrote that will finally come out soon about the late great Chavo Guerrero senior so okay. he's a Hispanic wrestler who told me and told in the book that he didn't want to work for this guy because he kept hearing about what a racist he is. But then they mm-hmm. became friends. So like a very complicated individual, this Mr. Watts, but or maybe not that complicated. Cause I think when you say something that awful, maybe it's not that complicated, yeah. but then his actions don't fit it. I, I don't know what I'm going with this, but Butch Reed was, a pretty, a really, like a like a good wrestler, someone I remember quite a bit as a kid. But yeah, I I, I, th- I think just reading a little bit about him, my favorite part was that in the mid south he's known as Hacksaw Butchery. Hacksaw Butchery, yes. Was, it was a tag team partner for Junkyard Dog, mm-hmm. and then they he got in a fight with Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and they had fight. They were feuding over the name, and then uh, 
he turned when uh, Duggan ended up being named Junkyard Dog's um, partner, mm-hmm. and, and Reed ended up having to change his name, essentially. That was interesting. I was like, oh, Hacksaw, but it wasn't the same guy. So, anyway, R.I.P. Butch Reed. Yeah. Uh, the age of 60, only the age of 66. Yeah, former WCW World Tag Team Champions. Actually, that just it took till 1990 before the that large promotion, like the NWA, that was been around since the, I think officially in the 1950s, before they had a, a black World Tag Team Championship team. It was him and Ron Simmons. Damn! Wow. Yeah. You are a fond of knowledge. I'm always impressed how much you know about wrestling. Uh, um, yeah, uh, but ask ask me what year I got married, and I... And, I, I, I always struggle whether it was 2007 or 2008. <laughs> the only saving well, grace I have is my wife forgets the same time too. We've, we've had, we forget at this. I don't know why it is we forget yet. We celebrate the day we met December 22nd, 2003. I don't know. Oh, okay. Uh, before I get there, we had three people quickly in music, but before I get there, I do want to say that the uh, beige mistress, did strike again. Oh. This time, uh, Olympic cyclist Imre Furman uh, competed in the 1952 Summer Olympics, passed at the age of 87. Um, but going going back into music, there's three of them which are going to lead us in the next thing. I want to bring up Gil Saunders, who is the lead singer of Her- Harold Melvin, the Blue Notes, uh, passed away earlier this week. Um, he, how old was Harold? How old was he? I actually don't know. He died February 4th. Um, but he was, I mean, Harold Melvin Blue Notes is one of those people who they're unlikely to end up there, uh, end up in the rock hall, but there are always people, when it comes to the, the soul sound, they're one that people bring up quite a bit. And, and then Gil Swanich was the, uh, was the force behind that. Uh, yeah, he died of multiple sclerosis and lung cancer. I actually don't know when he was born, but mm. that's, that's what he does. It seems like a combination I do not want. Um, also, someone behind the scenes, but really, really important, audio engineer and record producer Elliot Mazur died. Uh, he, did, he worked with Linda Ronstadt, Neil Young, Bob Dylan, the band, Janis Joplin, like oh, so all? many people. Gordon Lightfoot, the Dead Kennedys. Um, I mean, it just it just keeps going and going. All these people, all the way back through uh, um, Lightning Hopkins and Chubby. He did a couple of Chubby Checkers albums and like just around from like the mid '60s until not all that long ago, really, 2014 or so. Uh, but he passed away earlier this week at the age of. Uh, 79. So I know we don't talk about mixers and stuff like that because they rarely get in the hall, but just if you look at his discography, it's just absolutely ridiculous. All the albums that he was responsible for either producing or mixing. And finally, I think the big name of the week, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, Mary Mm -hmm. Wilson, the Supremes passed away. Uh, And she was like fine like three days ago. Yeah. Same thing like when like when Hank Aaron died, like Hank Aaron was fine. And then he was dead. And the same thing, Mary Wilson was like earlier this week was talking about how she had a new album coming out yeah. and a whole bunch of unreleased stuff was going to be mixed in. And she was really excited about it, hoping it was going to be out in time for her birthday, which was the 6th of March. And then she was just 
gone. It's amazing. It's kind. It's, we're kind of weird, but I, I always thought I mean, that Mary Wilson sort of got. Well, I guess I still think this really got sort of the, the, a bit of a shaft when it comes down to her, her musical legacy. I mean, obviously, man, when you, when you look at those old pictures of the Supremes, Diana Ross's eyes just stuck out. She was meant for the camera, but not that she was necessarily pretty or not that that should matter, but let's be honest, it does. And I think that's sort of why Barry, back then. I'm sorry. Particularly back then. Yeah. Particularly back then. And I get why Barry Gordy pushed her in the middle. And like, when you listen to all three of them saying there, there, it's not that Diana was necessarily better than the other two, but they made, they made a choice and ran with it. And it, that had, that had a killer going from the Supremes to Diana Ross and the Supremes. And I was, I don't know how I got down this YouTube hole, but I I did. And it was almost all of the 18 performances that they did on the Ed Sullivan show. I can't remember if they had all of, all of them or it was just a lot of them. And then with each passing one, it's Diana Ross. And then you barely see the other two to the point where when Florence Ballard, uh, left and then I think she died soon after you barely even notice mm-hmm. you know where, where she left and you know kudos to her for just keeping you know that group together in the 70s and they still did well like on the R&B charts but I think Mary just didn't get the career she deserved in my opinion but it was really touching yeah, to see. Yeah, but it was really touching to see that you know the, that the tributes that came out were about her and not about Diana. And, and again, I'm not I'm not taking a dump on Diana Ross, not at all. Uh, but you know, this was this is a, this was about Mary Wilson, and thankfully that's what I read today, or, or was it yesterday? But yeah, I just wanted to put that out. Yeah, and she, I mean, she we saw her like. She was on Dancing with the Stars like a couple years ago, still like spry and everything. I just, it was just like one of those ones like, oh my God, how, how'd that happen? I know once you get your 70s, anything is possible. Mm-hmm. But like, she just went from like seeing, seeing spry and like one of those people who's going to be around for a very long time to gone in like yeah. three days. It was weird. I, I didn't so. see, did Diana Ross say anything? I didn't notice that. I've, I've had a crazy couple of days. I haven't actually seen many of the tributes to Mary Wilson. I don't even um, know if she's got social so, media. Maybe yeah, I'd I, I imagine she did, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, I, I guess when you look at the passing of one Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, it's sort of time to really look at what we've got and the new – we know the finalists, and yeah, I love how they do this. All right, we're gonna we're gonna be announcing this in two days. Like, okay, <laughs> that's what yeah, they I, do. I I paused I paused my thing on my countdown um, because I didn't really want to write. Uh, I've been stuck on number seven. I haven't really wanted to finish um, Romstein, where I have number seven on my countdown. It's been like three quarters done for like I don't know a month and a half at this point. And uh, I just, I don't know what to quite say about them because they're just so, are they fascist? Are they communist? Are they like, 
there's this whole weird melange of whatever, and I haven't known how to quite finish it. And then they're like, uh, oh, well, you know, we're going to find, we're going to announce it in two days at eight o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, well, I'm never going to finish this now, so don't worry about it. <laughs> so I'll get the rest of them out. But, uh, and I should still need to get that list to you. Uh, but my number one and two, anyway, were on this list, which isn't surprising. I think no. nobody was surprised. No, no, I, I don't think there is really. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a big champion of craft work, but I'm not passionate about craft work getting in. And I can't be because I don't think they care. The ones that are still alive. I don't think their fans care. So it's hard for me to sort of like feel that level of, Hey, the, the, the group I want craft work isn't in. Well, there, there's no personal attachment. When you looked at some of the people who were nominated and their reactions today, those are the people I'm happy for. So let's just get right to it. Uh, there's 16 nominees. Okay, well, let me just start before you say anything. Yeah. This is my favorite list of nominees I have ever seen. I, and I think you're not alone in that. There's a lot of people super happy. I'm going to say we're something that I, I, I was a little bit wrong on. Because I've said before that if you – and well, of course, I've never really said that about a ballot. But I, I have said that I don't think that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame equity in terms of male-female is all that far off of what it really would be. Because uh, it's seven point, it's only like 7.7% female, which sounds awful, until you then think about the fact that so many of the artists in our male bands are four or five members. So when they give that number of 7%, they're going by the actual members. I mean, it's still mm-hmm. not great. But I thought, and then some people would say, well, let's have an all-female ballot. Like, oh, don't do that. And this is the most women I think that's ever been on a ballot or it's got to be. If, 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 if I, I'd have to go back and look at the very first ballot. But, I mean, the first ballot has, like, hold on. I actually have the first I think the first there. ballot didn't have any. The first ballot in 1986? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, let me count. Because that had the most people. Uh, Laverne Baker, Ruth Brown, Aretha Franklin... Gladys Knight and the Pips, so I guess that's one out of like five. Uh, Esther Phillips, uh, the Supremes, Tina Turner with Ike, mm-hmm. um, and Mary Wells. So not that many. The vast majority of those were men then too. So because there are a lot, a lot of people on that list. Yeah. So uh, I don't really have a set order to do this, so I guess we can just sort of look at each one. I, I, I my God, uh, if we had, maybe one day we'll actually have rock and roll votes. I've talked to someone who does. I'm going to reach out to her because I'd love to get her opinion on this. She must be really happy too. That's Evelyn McDonald who wrote this really yep. good piece on gender inequity in the, in the rock hall. So, and I know some of the people that I've talked to her about are on this. Uh, I guess we'll start off with one, uh, Carol King. This yeah. is so. Yeah, go ahead. As I say, she's in the hall technically as a songwriter, uh, and she'd been forgotten about. She was nominated once in 1989, and had not been nominated since. That's crazy. It's been 30, 32 years since her nomination, and just to give you an idea how long ago 1989 was in terms of the Rock Hall, 
the nominee, the people who got in in 1989 over her were Dion, Otis Redding, The Rolling Stones, The Temptations, and Stevie Wonder. That's a long rock and roll time ago. Jesus Christ. That, that's almost two Billie Eilish's. Almost two Billie Eilish's, yes. <laughs> and half yeah, a Billy so Idol. That, that entire ballad, except for two people, Carol King and Chuck Willis, are the only two people out of the 31 who are nominated that year who are not in. And uh, it's it's good. It's good to see her here. That she certainly deserves it. I will they count her this as a double? I mean, I know when we talk about the Clyde McFadder Club and whatnot. And for those unaware, mm-hmm. he was the first person to be inducted twice as a performer. Does this? If she gets in, does this make her part of that club or not really? I don't know. I was wondering that too. By the way, um, I'm just going to go out on a limb mm-hmm. and say Carol King is getting in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. Mm. Like, there's some names on it. So, like, how is this person not in already? Um, can I, I'll just throw another one. Tina Turner is on this list for the first time ever. Right, let, let, let's go to her. Uh, let's jump, let's yeah, jump to so, her because this is – I could – I think I'm right in saying this. This is, like, your most wanted, isn't it? Uh, yes. Well, this is my most wanted for someone who's already in at least once. Okay. And so, this is someone who would um, be an unquestioned double inductee. Yes, no no doubt. So my issue when Stevie Nicks got in, not that I don't think Stevie Nicks deserves it to be in there twice, She's is that she was the first woman, and again, we do this in the Rock Hall with women all the time. Mm-hmm. Men don't get compared to men, but women always get compared to women. It's the way it works, unfortunately, right? So, uh, but when Stevie Nicks got in, she became the first female member of the Clyde McFadder Club, which is insane in a world in which Diana Ross, who we just talked about, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and uh, Tina Turner exist. Right? Yeah. Okay. And Tina, Tina's in with Ike, but her career after Ike is far superior in terms of hits and everything else. And ridiculous, this woman is only in with her abusing. That's, yeah, that's, I, again, we don't know how much they think of this, uh, of stuff like that, but it's, it's gotta bother her. Uh, I do have a sporting equivalent of that with Stevie Nicks. It's like when Mariano Rivera, okay. yeah, when Mariano R- Rivera became the first, mm-hmm. uh, perfect, uh, ballot, like nothing against Mariano, but. I think and, you and, and I could come up with, yeah. I think I think you and I could come up with twenty who should have had that before. Oh, I don't know. How about the first class? <laughs> Those five guys. Well, that's true too. <laughs> but uh, I mean, how? I mean, Ken Griffey Jr. Just a few years before. Come on. Mm-hmm. Like people voted against Joe DiMaggio. People voted against Ted Williams. People voted against William Mays and Hank Aaron. Baseball writers suck. They just do. Which is why it's so sad Pedro Gomez. Super sad Pedro Gomez passed away. Because Pedro Gomez did not suck. Pedro Gomez generally enjoyed baseball. Which is not something you can say about most of the people who cover it. Or well, the commissioner. Sport. Yeah. Oh, my God. We, uh, that, that's, that's, one of my, that's one of my things I bring up all the time. I know that and Peyton Manning getting the uh, HGH chip to his house. <laughs> but, like, but, like, that is just... Ridiculous. You're right on that end. But anyway, so Tina Turner is getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> Newsflash. <laughs> I think I, th- I think she is. 
I, I can't see <laughs> the voters looking at this, their first chance to – and this is actually a really good ballot for her because – and we're going to talk about some of the other women. Doesn't she stack up better if, if we want to put yeah. a female hierarchy, which I don't know if we want to do that, but if we did and they're thinking along those lines, how is she not either one or two? Yeah, well, here's, here's the thing. We've talked before about how having the joke was if you have two women on a ballot, they're going to cancel each other out. Mm -hmm. This ballot's got one, two, a group, which we haven't had a female group in a long time. So one, two, three, four, five, six. So we have six women out of 16, which is not incredible, but still way more we've ever had. And I think it helps the women because there's so many of them that you can rank a couple of them at the top. And again, it sucks that they get compared to each other, but that's the way it go-goes. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> I changed that mid-sentence just so you know. Um, but that's just the way it goes. Like, that's the way they're going to get compared. And there's no doubt that Tina Turner and Carol King are one-two on that list of the folks who are here. The one that I'm uh, – let's just stick with all the women here. Uh, Shaka Khan, I don't, I don't know if you noticed this here. They've now – this is her sixth induct or nomination, but now – Seventh. Is it seventh? Okay. Yeah, so three, three on her own and four with Rufus. Okay, so the last few were with Rufus. So it's like, okay, well, that didn't work. Let's try this one again. You yeah, know. well, they did that with a couple of nominees you'll see this year, but I mean, only with her in in on in her own. But yeah, I, I see uh, uh, I see a little Nile Rodgers in her, in her future, if you know what I'm saying. I I don't disagree. I mean, Sheik Sheik is what has the most. They have the most nominations with eleven, mm-hmm. and never the been- So, because for Shaka yeah. Khan, put, putting Tina Turner on this list. Didn't do her any favors. It does not. And neither does putting Dion Warwick. Exactly. Even though they're separate. Well, I mean, their their music doesn't really overlap, but Dion Warwick, yeah, this one, I think she's got the second hardest shot to get in, is Dion Warwick. Uh, I I thought... She'll, she'll, of course, seen that, though. (laughs) Well done, her and her psychic friends. Well, you know, speaking with her psychic friends, you know, like if she gets in, then she will be in there with, you know, because that's what her friends are for, to welcome her. Oh, and... well done. Thank you. That gets an applause, my friend. Well done. Because I, I believe they're all in. Dion, I think, is going to, because she is sort of, if we want to talk about rock and roll credibility, I'd put Tina almost at the top. I'd put Dion at the, at the bottom. Yeah, and then it's not even like, and I love, I, I just love her '60s music. Uh, one of my favorite adult contemporary songs is "Deja Vu." Just love that mm-hmm. song. It's got a real nice little soul soul to it. Dion's gonna really struggle, and I don't know if they're really gonna pay attention. Each voter obviously has a different mindset. Dion didn't do any write any of her own material, and there's a lot of people who come up with some brilliant songwriting. That's not her. I actually, if I would have would have learned or learned before that, there would have been six individual spots or six individual singers for for women, and try to sort of 
place this in my head, I would have thought the spot would have gone to Mariah Carey. I would have thought the spot would have gone to Pat Benatar. Yeah, that's that's, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah, she was up for the first time last year, and that I was surprised not to see her back again. Like, we, no offense to, to Chaka Khan, but we'd be better off with Chaka Khan taking the year off and having Pat Benatar on there. That would be better for Chaka Khan. I agree. Well, another person who's on for the first time, and this is the person I, I pegged it with the least amount of chances. And again, it's not my personal taste. I would put her higher than that for my personal list, but... I think Mary J. Blige, this is a this is a terrible ballot for her. It's not the greatest ballot, but it's not an I don't think it's an awful ballot for, for her. For, really? So okay. the one I don't the one I don't two I don't see getting in on off this ballot are Dion Warwick and Kate Bush. Mm-hmm. Uh and no, no offense to Kate Bush, but she's a little too indie for this list. Does that make sense? It does. Um, so I feel like Jay-Z being here actually kind of helps Mary J. Blige. Really? Okay. Yeah. Every, everybody loves her. Like everybody loves Mary J. Blige. And when she shows up on anything, everybody gets excited. I don't know if she'll necessarily get it in. I have her as my seventh person if they get if it goes that far. Mm. But I don't think this is the worst list for her I've ever seen. Okay. See, I think anyway, Kate, it, I, I, I think it, with Kate Bush though, it actually she's very unique here. That is true. So that she stands out more. And Mary J, she just it's what's her third year of eligibility. She's got time tina's been waiting so long and not that those two really have a a similar sound but we know that that some of them might just paint them in the same brush and if we talk and if we talk about spots that they have i think that there's two spots that almost are going to go for almost every voter i mean we have a peyton manning charles woodson on our hands in jay-z and the foo fighters yeah, well, in, except yeah, except that I think we also I think that four four of the five to seven spots are already taken off of this list. I think everyone else is competing for the last one to three. So I think it's Jay Z, the Foo Fighters, Carol King, and Tina Turner. Well, it's not even in that order. I think the order is Tina Turner, Jay Z, Foo Fighters, Carol King. But I think all four of those spots are basically locked up by the fact they're all here. Yes, I'm not so. Sure. I don't feel the same confidence on Carol King. I feel I totally agree on the other three. Uh, the one group we haven't mentioned in terms of uh, the, the female persuasion, I'm so happy with this one. The Go Go's. I love the Go Go's. I'm so happy. They're happy. If you saw their uh, if you saw their social media, and they they deserve this. They so no, they deserve do. One hundred percent, they deserve it. I yeah, I, no, hundred percent, they deserve it. I hope they get in. That would be someone who I would vote for. I don't know who I would take off. <laughs> but yeah, it's my God. Yeah, it's so uh, well, the, the, the thing is, they're here, which is the good news. So even if I think this, it's an interesting ballot because they're the only female group. We rarely get female groups, as you always say. Right. Um, well, there's. Let's be honest. There's not that many. 
There aren't that many, right? I mean, and there are some of the more recent ones, someone like En Vogue, who I think has at least a somewhat decent argument for this whole thing, like, haven't been nominated. And, I mean, after that, who are you going to? Like, The Runaways? Like, uh, what I'll, other... I'll throw a pair. Uh, salt and I'm Pepper. Sorry? I'll throw a pair. Salt and Pepper. Salt and Pepper. There's, there's another good group, right? But there aren't, like, there aren't a ton, ton of them. Um... I don't know if TLC is not eligible yet, I don't believe. No, they're not. Uh, um, Shangri-Las are one that I, I would champion myself. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, well, we're, you're going back, back at Shangri-Las. I am. I am, but that's someone who I, I think deserve it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, just think, I'm just thinking like more recent ones, oh. I guess, than the girl groups of the... 60s and early 70s. Well, I, more what I was thinking. There haven't, there haven't been a ton. No, and I don't see any of the Riot Girls getting in either. The Riot Girl groups. Yeah. I, I just don't see it. Yeah. You know, like... I, saw, I mean, it, it, the, Go, the Go-Go's kind of stand apart for that reason, mm-hmm. and that may help them. But I think the fact they're here, even if they don't get in, that seems like a group that should be back next year. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I think, you know, then beyond that, there's just a lot of these, the, the, the bands that are nominated. Well, okay, Rage Against the Machines nominated again. Uh, I don't see it. I think this is a great one for Rage Against the Machines. In terms of who they're up against, yes. But do, do you put them and the Foo Fighters in the same class? I mean, that is a good question. You know, Todd Rundgren, this could be something where he stands out a little bit. And Todd Rundgren is, like, in terms of, like, voting on on the Not Hall of Fame site, his is, like, one of the highest by far. I think last time I checked was, like, 95 or 96% put him in. Is is this a year that Todd Rundgren gets the musical experts? That could be <laughs> right. Yeah, that could be true too. Because he, because de- he, you could put him in there, and it's a hell of a lot. It makes a lot more sense. And no disrespect to Nile Rodgers, but it makes a lot more sense than Nile Rodgers because Todd Rundgren's producing career is it's it just dwarfs it's so legit. many. It, it it's legit. Todd Rundgren's producing career is entirely legit. Mm-hmm. LL Cool J. Yeah. I, Our favorite. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, LL Cool J is going to have to – he's just going to have to chill. See what I did? Just a little bit longer. Jay-Z doesn't help him out on this. They're not going to put Jay-Z and, and LL Cool J in the same. No, it's just they're, they're not. I, I'd rather see the spot go to Eric B. and Rakeem or Africa Bombata or hell, even the, the Sugar Hill Gang. Just like somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This is his sixth time on the ballot. Which it technically leads because this is Chaka Khan's only third time on her own, even though it's her seventh time overall. Right. Um, but I don't think he's getting in here either. So, and he's, yeah, I mean, he's just, this is, the rap guys have been putting one up a year, every year, and just getting their people in. So, Notorious B.I.G., last year, uh, we had, we had, uh, Actually, was there nobody here before? No, it was... Uh, oh, they put LL up there. They put LL up there. That's why. There wasn't anybody wasn't before. It, like, when did NWA Hawkins. get in? I'm sorry? NWA. Wasn't that two years ago? That was 2016. We're getting old. Oh, jeez. Okay. 
Yeah, Tupac was 2017. Um, but, like, they, they just kept putting one up to get everybody in. And now they, now they have two. I just don't think that he's, he's getting cool. There's no, there's no reason for that. I think he has the worst chance of anyone on this list. Yeah, you know, now that, I, now that I'm looking at everything, I, I sort of amend what I said before. Uh, I, I think uh, he's got the worst shot. And I'll repeat what I say every year. LL Cool J. If you're over 65, you just know him as that person in that NCIS show. If you're un- if you're under under 35, you have no idea who the hell he is. It's fascinating to me how he's in three distinct generational categories. Yeah. Uh, all right. So here's the ones we have left. The one who I, I think you, we talked about switching out Chaka Khan. I think they just switched out Judas Priest of Iron Maiden. Exactly what they did. Just uh, try something different because that's what they were doing for a while with the Pesh Mode, the Smiths, and the Cure. Uh, they were just going around in a wheel, and then the Cure got in, then the Pesh Mode got in. I was expecting the Smiths to be up this year, and uh, all my predictions, and they didn't do it because they did this wonderful thing instead. Um, I'm happy but, uh, for Iron <laughs> Maiden. Whether again, whether they care or not, I'm not really sure. I no, probably. Yeah, because this is more of an American thing. I think a lot of British acts just, they're not that into it. Uh, but, you know, their fan base is largely American. So I would think, and I didn't really check on this, I should have, as to whether their fan base are, are really that excited. But the Rock Hall doesn't care about heavy metal that much. Although when you look at yeah, up and down weird. this list, there's no one even remotely close to their sound. No, I guess the closest you'd come and it's like not even close at all is rage. Maybe, maybe. Well, the New York dolls, I mean, but even then the that dolls, doesn't break. Well, first of all, I, I'm very excited. This is the first time in 20 years. They've been done. Mm-hmm. Although we did lose Sylvain Sylvain earlier this year. Um, well, that's another swap out with MC five. Yeah, well, MC5 has had their five shots at it at this point, mm-hmm. including the last three years. They just wanted to try something else. I'm glad. To, I'm just glad to see them back up, bubbling to the surface again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I, I think they are very, very worthy. I don't know what it's going to take for them to get in, but I think they're super worthy of being in. So, um, who have we locked out of this whole thing? Oh, I'm going to save one for the end here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Jimmy. Devo. I, I, I love Devo, but they're not getting in. I'm sorry? I love them, but they're not getting in. Yeah, is, is this a switch out with Kraftwerk, do you think? No, wasn't Devo nominated before, not that long ago? Yeah, Devo was nominated with Kraftwerk two years ago. Yeah, so then it's but like... I'm just, trying, I'm, I'm just thinking like the electronic music thing. We can't get Kraftwerk in. Let's just focus on one that people have heard of sort of thing. It, it could be... Craftwork might be another one for musical excellence, you know, down the road. True. Maybe this year. I mean, that that's not impossible because just one that I, I think that the powers that be, and that's, that's the other thing too. Uh, I, I think the nominating committee has, has done a great job, but now it's out of their hands. Right. I don't know how many voters there are. When I talk to Evelyn, a voter, she doesn't know how many voters there are. Yeah. This is the worst. Like we talk about terrible transparency with halls, this is the worst one. So it's you know very very interesting. Like we can't predict anything. 
it's next no. to impossible to do it. So picking, it's a lot easier to picking to try and come up with what they are going to nominate. And realistically, the one thing that we can do is sort of like pluck out genres and then fill in the holes from there. Because that's something that they have been relatively consistent on. They've just gone a different route in terms of uh, the gender who's filling some of the gaps, let's say. Hell, you could argue that Tina Turner is almost a swap out for Pat Benatar. Because her rock sound, they're not that different. I mean, they are, but you know, their peak, Tina Turner's peak as a solo isn't that different than Pat Benatar's. Just a couple years <laughs> later. Yeah, because Tina didn't become eligible until 99. So that means that her first one would have been 74. And Benatar is what, probably 77, 78? Right, but, but Tina Turner's solo albums, as good as I think they were in the 70s, didn't sell. Mm. They weren't on the radio. They she was pretty much reduced already to the oldie circuit. And I don't remember the name of the producer uh, who did private dancer, but just completely revamped that Uh, video also was such a great thing for her. When you're just looking at this gorgeous woman who, you know, younger people just said like, who the hell is this? Oh my God, she's incredible. Nobody else looks like her. And then their parents, not that you want to listen to the same music your parents do, but they were just saying, that's Tina Turner. Like, you got to listen to some of this older stuff. It's going to blow your mind. And it probably did. Yeah. That's funny. I was just thinking about uh, when you said that the uh, letter that Annie Lennox got from uh, one of the music stations, like, like a, like a radio station out in, I think it was Burbank, California, sent her a message saying, Hey, we just discovered you. I think you're really, really great. Can we put, We'd be interested in giving you a chance to have uh, send us a demo and see if we can get your stuff on air. <laughs> they said to any Lennox. Wow, <laughs> that's awesome. And that was like four, that was like four years ago. Just like the sort, same sort of thing. Generations discovering for people from previous generations. Just nobody was dumb enough to not know. Since they were like asked their parents had found out, supposed to like not even doing an internet search. (laughs) So there's, I think I put this on Twitter. There's a generation out there right now that thinks George Foreman is a chef. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and John Madden designed video games. Just one. Just one. Not, not to go too far off track. I do want to say I'm very excited for the fact there's going to be a college football game again. On uh, yes. EA Sports, it's going to be coming out with one. It's mm-hmm. very exciting that they Ed O'Bannon. Thank you for all the work you did. Um, but anyway, we have to get back to the most important thing on yes. this list. Oh yes, single most important thing. You have been pushing for seven years, eight years, uh, ten years. I don't know. I don't know that I'm pushing, but, but I, I, I've been saying that this is someone who I think could would be a great candidate. And when I first suggested, and this was like back in our infancy of you and I even discussing things, we actually sort of like did this as a blog, you and I going back and forth, I think exchanging emails or, and then we put it together in one, one big article before we finally graduated to doing this. And I, (laughs) I suggested, and you laughed at me in print, by the way, 
I did. No, there, there's yeah. no denying it. I yeah. absolutely, and again, I'm not because I don't think he's worthy, just because I never thought they would care. But go ahead. Yes, Fela Kuti is a nominee for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The end. The for creator those, of Afrobeat. Yes, and for the and for, again for those who don't know who he is, just I can I can sum it up in one sentence: the most important man in African music. Agreed. And it, it's not even close. And why I thought back then this was possible was just really one basic thing: they were the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame understands reggae music and its and its influence. Mm-hmm. It's not that far of a leap for them to go to Africa, especially when some of the people who they've already inducted at that point. Well, Peter Gabriel wasn't in then, but, you know, Paul Simon. I mean, Graceland was, I mean, granted, it's a different style of African music, but it made a lot of people. Right. But it made a lot of people open up the idea of this amazing continent that had all this wonderful music that you weren't realizing or weren't even thinking of. And I don't think he's going to get in, but he might. I don't either, but it's a great game here. Uh, no, absolutely. And I'm hoping – my biggest hope here is that it just it turns on a lot of people. And there's no excuse now. It's just so easy to listen to music now from everything. I, I don't know how any mid-range artist makes anything, though. I really don't. Yeah. I, I, I still think about that all the time. When I was back, back in the day, when I was in my early 20s, I'd buy a CD for $20. And now for half of that, I can listen to everything. How the hell does anyone make money? Unless you're big. Back in my day, we used Napster. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, they made even less. No, but I, I do have to say, I have a reason why Fella Cootie is on this list. Okay. Because as the metrics showed last week, Not in Hall of Fame is a more visited website <laughs> than the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's website. Well, well, that may not be for next week. Yes, so that's actually true. So thank you for that. Uh, according to Alexa, which is a, a flawed website, but there isn't really any way to measure websites better than that from what I understand, we get more traffic than the Rock Hall. That, that's actually the first time that's ever happened, where it's actually a higher and rate. What, and, and a week later, what happens? <laughs> Your pet project on the, ends on nominee. Yeah, it's been a while since I've mentioned not, that. I'm not saying that's the reason, but I'm saying that's the reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that were the case, then Kraftwerk would have been up there. But or maybe that's where they're going to they're going to backdoor them in. Well, I mean, at least the nominee committee's been paying attention. It's not maybe. like I said. They kept putting Donna Summer up in Schengen until after she died. That's not the nominating committee's fault. Nominating committee doing all they can. Mm-hmm. It's up to the voters back to make the determination. The voters between twenty and three thousand of them. We have no idea. Um, no, are, are making the decision as to who gets in. So, like, all they can do is put the put the best people they can come up, and then we can quibble with who they're putting up in front of them. But they're generally doing an okay job, or they're doing a better job now that some of the power of the original people is waning. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd be interested to find out who put up Fela Kuti, whether it was Questlove or whether it was somebody else um, who was putting them up there. I also want to know who Tom Morello has here, because Morello will not put up 
he's not behind the Rage Against the Machine stuff. He, when they first Rage Against the Machine became eligible, he was adamant that they not get nominated the first year because it was the same year mm-hmm. he joined the committee. Uh, they ended up putting James Addiction up there instead. Uh, but now they've been nominated. This is their third time uh, since then. They put Soundgarden in their place last year. Um, I would say Iron Maiden. I'm sorry? I would say Iron Maiden. Could be Iron Maiden. I know he, what could be Iron Maiden. Yeah, I know he pushed hard for Kiss. And that was right. super hard for him to get that one through. The way he was describing that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, yeah. That was crazy. Well, there's the one guy who said that he wouldn't let Kiss on the valve as long as he's alive. That was Jan Winter who said that. Was that Jan Winter? I thought it was somebody else. It was Jan Winter. Okay. Uh, well, he well he said as long as he had something to say about it. But I guess because the, 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 there's somebody else who literally said they will. I'll have to be dead before they get on the ballot. I can't remember who it was. It wasn't Jan Winter. Oh wow. Well, I mean, I, I can. I, I get it. I mean, I, if you're sort of like a big music critic guy and you're looking for for meaning in everything, you're gonna hate Kiss. I get it. Hmm. I well, sorry, sorry. Just going back to Kiss for a second. Yeah, one of my favorite things about rock and roll and music in general is who are like fans of who, mm-hmm. right? So one of the people who I did hear who had a, like a real outpouring of Mary Wilson's death was Paul Stanley. Yes, he like he's like I talked to her on Monday. We had plans through. I'm like Paul Stanley and Mary Wilson hung out all the time. How does this happen? <laughs> It, it always brings me back to Joey Ramone calling from his deathbed in the hospital and yelling at Jan Wenner that they hadn't inducted Cat Stevens yet. Like, there's just so many weird things, like, over all these things, that who likes who and, and all this stuff. It's like, I just remember when they did that, that uh, was, was um, Bismarck Key was talking about Elton John and how Elton John was one of the most important uh, artists in black culture. He's like, I will cruise around with my, with my uh, top down of my car with Elton John all day. And I'm like, this Marquis and Elton John, what is going on? But it's always so interesting who pushes for who and who thinks who's important. Because Hall & Oates is in the Hall of Fame because that was like Questlove's Bang the Table band when he joined the nominating committee back in 2014. Yeah, and Hall and Oates, uh, what have they said many times that, and they're kind of sheepish about being in the hall that doesn't have the spinners, but has them. Yeah. Yeah. But that one you can understand why they they, they would sort of look at that. I'm trying to remember if, who did And Then They Kissed Me from the late 60s? the old girl group in the six. Cause I know Paul Stanley's solo album had that song. It was the crystals. Thank you. All right. So he, he did that cover in those and that horrible idea when the band were getting along. So, Hey, let's put out four solo albums and they're all crap. Yeah. Awful, awful, awful albums. I think Gene Simmons hammer on that was, uh, thank you for that whole thing. with saying the hammer. I've been using that all the time. as my clothes. Uh, Gene Simmons <laughs> on his solo album was covering when you wish upon a star. Wow. That's uh 
just what everyone wanted to hear. Yeah. So, so that I've gone through everybody. I just want to give you, so here are the people. So Richie Leitner did, always asks us who we think are things that mm-hmm. he compiles everything and posts it out there. Yep. So my 60 nominees originally, just so you know, I break them down to first time eligible, people returning from previous, from the previous ballot, people returning from previous years, first time, and first time nominations for rule it's not their first time eligible. So I, after all this, only got, I think, five right, five, and I'll call it five and a half. Because I had Jay-Z and the Foo Fighters for the first time eligibles. Then for the returning, I had Kraftwerk, Pat Benatar, Judas Priest, Dave Matthews Band, and MC5, none of whom are here. I also had Todd Rundgren and Rufus with Chaka Khan, which I'm getting myself half credit for. Yeah. So I got three and a half so far. I had Rage Against the Machine as we're returning from previous years. The Arrhythmics, who, I'm, who apparently finished seventh one year and then have never been back. And The Smiths. And then Motley Crue, who we still have not seen on a ballot, shockingly. Beck, who we still haven't seen on a ballot, shockingly. Tina Turner and Jethro Tull. So I only got, like, Rage, Tina Turner, Rundgren, Jay-Z, the Foo Fighters, and Rufus Chaka Khan. So I got five and a half right. You did better than I did. Basically the, basically the worst I've done in a long time. I, I still... I still hold out the fact I won the internet back in like 2016 <laughs> when I got, I, I got 11 out of the 15 nominees. I should have had 12. Well, it's the other so thing too. You, you, you know, like you don't even know that you could have picked a 16th. So maybe you would have got one. That's also true. Yeah, no, that was 2000, 2014 actually was the year I won the internet. Because uh, that was uh, the the team, the band I switched out was Yes, because I couldn't imagine Yes was ever getting nominated, and then they did, and then they eventually got in. But I had Yes, and then I uh, switched them out with uh, with Barry White, who's still never been nominated. So, but anyway, by the way, my uh, my my pet pe- my pet person other than Tina Turner, uh, who's never been nominated, it's still been nominated this time, and they need to get her in before she dies. Is Patty LaBelle. So yeah. Patty LaBelle's not in at all, and she's my she's my pound the table person at this point. I think mine's uh, if I've got like one. Well, in terms of just like one female singer, it's Mary Wells, and which I've repeated over and over. Yeah, I, Mary Wells is definitely on my list as well. Yeah, yeah, Mary I, Wells definitely definitely deserving. I, I think they're just gonna they're just gonna completely forget her. But then you, you know, the, the Carol King got nominated again after thirty two years. I think Mary Wells' last nomination was around the same time. Yeah, so Mary Wells has been nominated twice. Uh, her last nomination was. Hold on, what can I hold on? I gotta go this way. I have I have like thirty seven tabs on my computer here for on the, on the spreadsheet. Uh, Mary Wells was nominated eighty six and eighty seven. Okay, so even longer. Okay, yeah, they just completely forgotten. She, she, Johnny, Johnny Ace, and Esther Phillips were on the first two ballots and never again. So, Evan, have you seen anything online where there's been people really negative? I I didn't look for anything specific, but has there been? Because there's always that, like, well, it's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a joke because blank, blank, blank didn't get in. Yeah, well, I mean, that's going to exist no matter what. I mean, there was some person on there today, like, calling people out for mansplaining, right, because they were saying that Nickelback isn't eligible until next year. 
Like, there was using the like, word well, the, first, the first album came out in they had an EP that was available in '94, so mm-hmm. they should be or whatever '95, they should be up. And they're like, great, but it didn't officially come out until '96. Stop mansplaining my favorite band to me. Okay, this Nickelback, they're not getting it anyway. Who cares, right? <laughs> um, so, so there are always those people on the internet. Um, but yeah, I don't feel like there was any like. How dare they? Because, like, there's always going to be people like, rap doesn't belong in the hall, even though that ship sailed 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so people are always going to be upset about uh, Jay-Z. They're not going to be as upset about Mary J. Blige. They shouldn't. Uh, no one's upset about Tina Turner. No one's upset about the Foo Fighters. People are are mocking the fact that Iron Maiden is there, not because Iron Maiden doesn't deserve it, but because they're like, oh, here's the... the the metal band, everybody gets to ignore this year. Um, but no, I haven't seen a lot of like negative stuff. I just went and looked it up and everyone seems flat, either be voting for their guys or every once in a while they're like, how can pick their least favorite person be up there, but not this person? You know what I mean? Uh, and that's just going to happen no matter what you do. Like if you have somebody out there standing for Nickelback a year early, there's literally nobody who won't stand for something. I've used to have someone who worked for me who, yeah, uh, their obsession was Nickelback, got their Nickelback tattoo. Wow. I'll never understand the complete devotion for for that band. I don't get it, but I don't have to get it. There was, however. Here's here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. I will defend Nickelback in one way. They're not as bad as everybody makes them out to be. Like, in the world where Smash Mouth exists, like, Nickelback is a, is a better band I, I, than, I, than that, than Smash Mouth. And I, I, I think this, it's... I don't understand why they get quite so much hate other than maybe Chad Kroger's, I don't know, somehow having hair that went down to his ears and yet somehow being crimped and permed. I don't quite understand what was going on with that. Well, I, um, I, I think that's really it, though. I mean, this is a band that gets so much love, and not a whole lot of people can figure out why, because it doesn't seem like they're that special. But their fan base yeah, is. But, not, I, but, but again, again, they they're like the, the joke of like bands, and they're just like again. I, I threw up Smash Mouth, but like Smash Mouth isn't the worst band because Train exists. Train <laughs> is the worst band. Like, can we just all agree that Train is the worst? Um, and we should just be throwing train under the train and letting leaving Nickelback alone. But the, the point here is there's going to be people pushing for train. Too. There are a whole bunch of people who are still can, are so furious that Blink-182 wasn't a first ballot, not first ballot Hall of Fame. I, I think there's also a contingent that are upset that Clay Matthews got snubbed for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That album he put out with, I don't know, I got nothing. I don't know where I was going with how, that. How many times did Dion Warwick make the uh, Pro Bowl? That's what I <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Well, you're not going to you're not going to please anyone. But of of the people who whose opinions I care about and I think matter, everybody is pretty much. I mean, they might quibble here or there, but every like uh, you and I think both are lower in LL Cool J than apparently the nominating committee is. But that, that's, just a, that's just a good group. I'd probably switch out LL Cool J for, like I said, Eric B. Rakim, mm-hmm. Africa Bombata, 
the Sugar Hill Gang, I just want to see nominated once, just because I think they're so important historically. Or, or better yet, um, uh, why can't they, who did Rocket? Why can't they get his name right? Now? Oh, Herbie Hancock. Herbie Hancock. I'd love to see Herbie Hancock. I'd love to see Gil Scott Heron on oh, here. Oh, I love that. Like, like somebody else other than LL. Particularly if we have like the rat person getting in, throw a bone to the other people who aren't going to get in this year, but deserve to be in the conversation. Like Gil Scott Heron needs to be in the rock hall and he, he hasn't even been nominated. So I go, this LL Cool J spot should have gone to one of those people knowing they're not going to get in, but we can at least have the discussion about them and get them on the radar. As opposed to LL, who's also not going to get in and isn't taking up spot. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that that's quibbling because I don't, if LL Cool J gets the Rock Roll Hall of Fame, am I going to be mad? No, it, it depends on who he gets in over. But I don't think L. Cool J definitely would not be the worst person in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Not even close. No, that would be either Darlene Love or Percy Sludge. Mm, I still, I still, I can't think of his name right now because it's 11 o'clock at night. Uh, but what's his name who did I Love L.A.? Oh, and Randy Newman? Stuff. <laughs> yeah, he's the worst. Randy Newman writes the same song over and over again while not being able to sing. I just realized Randy Newman looks like Don Music. <laughs> if only he... No, never mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, that would explain why he writes the same song over and over again, because otherwise he'd have to bang his face in the piano. Maybe so. he did. And on yeah, that, Randy Newman is. I, I, if I could remove anyone based on talent, not politics or anything else alone from the Rock Hall, it would be Randy. <laughs> Even yeah. over Darlene Love. Darlene Love can at least sing. That is true. <coughs> I, I got to work on a Randy Newman impression. <laughs> no. no like you that. don't have to do a Randy Newman impression because Will Sasso. From Mad TV does the best Randy Newman impression ever. Well, I gotta and see that. nobody else has ever bothered. I've never seen Will Sasso's ridiculously good. Oh, just go like Will Sasso or Randy Newman. He's ridiculous at it. It's really, really good. So nice. That's how much I hate Randy Newman. I know who makes fun of him the best. I can't say <laughs> about anybody else. <laughs> 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 and with that, I think we should let, we should go before I come up with another worse person. Absolutely, going to be Randy Newman. Yeah, we'll we'll, so, we'll hey, end this hey, on a positive note, somewhat. Yes, absolutely, man. And uh, I'm sure we'll come up with something for next week. You don't you think? Something will always come up, and even if there's not, we'll make something up. Yeah, we can do that. Hey, we kept this for like two hours. That's actually After, pretty like, damn good. For, we did like had nothing last week for an hour and a half. We did two hours on like two massive things. Mm-hmm. Well, who oh, knows? Maybe the... we go, just one last thing. Yeah. Back to Tom Brady before yeah. we go. Yeah, of course. Players, players with at least seven championships and three MVPs in the four major sports. You ready? Can I guess? Bill Russell, 11 championships, five MVPs. Okay. Uh, Joe DiMaggio... No, I'm sorry, Yogi Berra, 10 championships, three MVPs. Joe DiMaggio, nine championships, four MVPs. Mickey Mantle, seven championships, three MVPs. Tom Brady, seven championships, three MVPs. Crazy. I think, that, I think that's a true top of Mount Olympus. That is your actual sports, 
your actual sports uh, well, Mount Rushmore. Well, where, where's Wayne? Oh, you're doing a okay. Yeah, that's why Gretzky's not on that because he's got more MVPs, but only four Stanley Cups. Only four Stanley Cups. Only four. Yeah. So I brought them up at, uh, the other day, and someone's like, "What about Rocket Richard?" I'm like, "He's got eight championships." I'm like, "Yeah, but only one MVP." So somehow, but one riot. So yeah, yeah one riot exactly. But anyway, that's that's a pretty good list to be on, I would say. Russell Barra seems a little weird that he's there. I didn't realize he had three MVPs, but Russell Barra, DiMaggio, Mantle, Brady. That's your list. Not bad. If, if yeah, but if Yogi Berra was named Fred, he doesn't have three MVPs. Much like Mookie Wilson can't charge three hundred dollars on Cameo if his name's Michael. I'm just saying a first. A cool first name if, is if, everything. If Yogi, if Yogi Berra's name was Dale, like his son, you know they had the same career? Yeah. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say oh, – I'm not going that far. But never underestimate the power of a cool first name that just sort of rolls off of everything. Yeah. Anyway, man, I'll talk to you later. All right. Take care. Stay safe. Thank you so much for listening. There's going to be a lot more content regularly from us at notinhalloffame.com. Take care.